Weirdo Weirdo Bookworms Unite! Unite. Do your reading tastes range from dystopian sci-fi to middle-grade fantasy? Dark psychological thrillers to gory body horror? From YA paranormal swords and sorcery? Extraterrestrials? Murder? Mayhem! And beyond! Then we want to share our love of reading with you! Welcome home. Hey guys, it's Sandra. And this is Scott. Welcome to Genre Junkies. We have a fun little little romp tonight. This is White Smoke by Tiffany D. Jackson. Um, this is a, a YA horror. Of course, you know, don't let the YA tie you up too much. <laughs> but um, that's what we're going to be talking tonight. And I'm really excited about it. Um, I think there's some interesting things to say about this book. I do, too. I think we're going to have quite the discussion. Um, do you have anything to share with the friends? Well, I finished the new production PC uh, what? that is available uh, still on the Cult Show YouTube. My entire build process, it is a four and a half hour stream. So, uh, it is. you know, it is. if you're interested, great. If it's not really your thing, I don't recommend you, <laughs> you pick it up all of a sudden. Huh? But uh, yeah, I'm going through the process of uh, trying to, you know, do some overclocking and things like that. But uh, she is a beaut. A a beaut. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Scott built a computer, and I know that's a thing people do, but it's still very, like, wild to me. Like, (laughs) I'm like, but computer, you go Best Buy by computer. (laughs) Like, no, build computer. And Scott has built computers before, so it's very, very interesting, and it's really helpful because, of course, Scott produces this show, The Cult Show, and spooky slumber parties. So he is very busy with those. I definitely needed an upgrade from my 10-year-old PC. And I think that this one will last me another 10 years at this point. One thing I can talk about is, and I did bring this up on the Colt show, I watched um, a horror movie on Shudder. Of course, Shudder, the brilliant, brilliant channel I can't live without, um, called Clear Cut. And it is from, I believe, 1991. And it stars Graham Greene. And if you like Graham Greene, um, like I do, I'm a huge fan. I'd never seen this film. Turns out a lot of people hadn't. And um, it is unlike anything you've ever seen him do before he is he's um he's pretty gnarly dude in this movie and it has to deal with um has to do with indigenous people and clear-cutting forests obviously and um mistreatment of indigenous peoples and um let's say torture okay that sounds fun (laughs) because it is a horror movie um but it's okay it's 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 the it's the bad guys getting tortured um and graham green does the torturing and i'd never seen him like this and it'll like totally blow your mind if you're a huge fan of his like i am so yeah clear cut on shutter uh very poignant very relevant film that is sadly still incredibly relevant in our world today um i suppose we should also say uh our heart goes out to any of our friends listening in ukraine um we love our genre junkies all over the world you're all beautiful wonderful people and we think about you all the time and if there's any way that you can help ukraine we should leave some resources in our show notes below for sure and we hope you all get to keep reading um very very soon Okay, guys, without further ado, let's talk about this week's book, White Smoke by Tiffany D. Jackson. Something very important to note is this book 
is blurbed by R.L. Stein. By R.L. freaking Stein. And we will talk about that again in, in a minute. But you need to know this. He said, I wanted to scream, but I was too busy turning pages. Um, all right. You can just kind of sum this up as the haunting of Hill House meets Get Out. So if that sounds interesting to you, just just sit on that one for a while. Marigold is running from ghosts. The phantoms of her old life keep haunting her, but a move back with her newly blended family from their small California beach town to the embattled Midwestern city of Cedarville might be the fresh start she needs. Her mom has accepted a new job with the Sterling Foundation that comes with a free house, one that Mary has to share with her bratty 10-year-old sister, Piper. The renovated picture-perfect home on Maple Street, sitting between dilapidated houses, surrounded by wary neighbors, has its secrets. That's when we have the problem. Household items vanish. Doors open on their own. Lights turn off. Shadows walk past rooms. Voices can be heard in the walls. And there's a foul smell seeping through the vents. Only Mary seems to notice. Worse, Piper keeps talking about a friend who wants Mary gone, but running from ghosts is just a metaphor, right? As the house closes in, Mary learns the danger isn't limited to Maple Street. Cedarville has its secrets too, and secrets always find their way through the cracks. So in my head, <laughs> I was constantly calling her Mari. Me too. But if her name is Marigold, that her, name, her short is name is Mary. Mary. You're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. Uh, which I love the name Marigold. I think that is so awesome. But it's just one of those weird things. I just kept, and then every once in a while when somebody would call her Marigold, I'm like, oh, right, right, right. right. Marigold. Okay. So for me, um, I had to think about this actually for a minute. I had to think about this. But I, I'm going to call this book a page turner for me, but leaning really hard towards obsession. Mm -hmm. um, I absolutely loved reading this book. I found myself, um, even though we're different in lots of ways, I had a ton, um, you know, like that I share with Marigold. Like we have a lot in common and it's not always like necessarily good or positive things, but I could really see a little of myself. It, it in so many parts of her. So I really loved that. Um, I loved the story. I thought it was creepy. Um, I really fell in love with Tiffany D. Jackson's writing. And then reading her afterward, where she talks about this is her first horror book. She's a lifelong horror fan. But it's her first it's horror her first novel. Horror. And R.L. Stein liked it. And she talks about how, you know, he's a hero to her. He's also a hero to me. So I, I really just, I feel like I just get where Tiffany was coming from with writing this book in so many different ways. Plus, there's all this other cool societal, you know, stuff on top of it. Yeah, I thought this was really fun. This book definitely is no less than a page turner for me. And I'm kind of in the same boat as you where I'm I'm struggling to decide if I want to give it obsession. I really love this book. Um, at, the, at the very beginning, I really wasn't sure what I was getting in for. There was uh, little things that, that uh, as a California native... <laughs> rubbed me a little bit little little bit interestingly i'm like are, are the kids really saying things like that now <laughs> well yeah but these are the kids in cedarville i understand but yeah. she refers to california as cali before before someone else does yeah. and maybe are, yeah. that's a thing that that maybe that's 
maybe that's okay now. Maybe that's a thing that the, the way, kids say. The way Scott and I were raised is California natives is we do not call it Cali. Only people who call it Cali are Outsiders. people not from Cali. Yeah. <laughs> and I actually don't know if Tiffany's from California. I don't think so, but maybe she, she's lived here. She, she may have lived here. She's from Brooklyn. That's right. She is from I Brooklyn. I checked. Yes. I remember now reading that in her biography. Okay. Okay. But I do think it's cute that her nickname is Callie. Yes, I do. I the do kids. Too. I thought I that too. was yeah. cute. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I digress. It's I, just, you're being funny. Yeah, but the very beginning, um, you know, I, I ran into a little bit of a roadblock because the writing style was different than I'm used to reading recently. Yeah. Um, that went away really fast because the story and the characters are incredibly interesting and nuanced. Right. And on and the reason why I think that I am going to give this an obsession is because there are themes and real uh it takes a magnifying glass to real ideas and mm-hmm. real issues, yeah. like good horror does, Yes, that I actually want to look into more. Mm. There's real inspirations from things that I'm familiar with, right. as well as uh, allusions towards things that is completely probable, yeah. but I don't know about, and I want to know more about now. Um, I don't obviously want to spoil anything or, or hop too far ahead, but um, the horror in this was at times so effectively fun and creepy to read. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, you know, sometimes in a YA horror, it's a little bit more of a, okay, this is cute and I'm, I'm enjoying it, but I'm not, you know, I'm not like feeling the horror, but I, but I like that we're doing it. I don't know. It's hard to describe, but um. I think she, you can tell, lifelong horror fan, she comes up with some really great, creepy scenes that just kind of crawl and prod and some imagery. Um, I think there's some that probably are sticking with you in particular, in fact. Oh, God, there's there's definitely uh-huh. a few. Um, one other thing I really liked about this book is you were talking about the, kid, the kids. Um I feel like this is how teenagers would actually talk. A lot of the ways they talk to each other. Yeah. The young, the young people. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know. I kind of like, I, f- I felt a lot of that. Like it didn't feel, it didn't feel heavy handed with the, Hey, what's up my fellow teens. Yeah. You know, type of vibe. Um, so I thought that was really good. I, I found it really interesting that this was a book about a blended family um and it's a blended family of you know what two people who both have kids coming together and then one is white and one is black and it's like oh okay that's gonna be interesting too um and then you know with mary's parents being divorced but they have like this really healthy relationship her divorced parents do um there's just a lot of stuff that was like oh yeah, that's that's really cool. That's really interesting. Like it just really, really made these characters feel like these are real people to me. It feels like they're real people, and I feel that she really does address all of these things. Nothing is just kind of glossed over, right? But even more, if there's one word I could use to describe this book, it's believable. Yes, which considering the type of book that it is, yeah, is um de- is an incredible compliment. Um, yeah. There's so many times when you read a book that you don't you don't necessarily understand the decisions that are being made, particularly in horror, right? Because horror is is built upon that. No, 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 no I would never go in that door, yeah. right? Um, the d- decisions that these characters make, the choices that they make, the the directions that they go, are are 
justified and believable mm-hmm. and and the way that they feel about other people it is complicated human emotions yeah that uh is was was fascinating to read yeah um i'm gonna put this in as i guess sort of an important part of the content, but it's also kind of a content warning, but I don't think it's spoilery. There's characters in this book that um, deal with mental illness and struggles with drugs. And that is also very relevant and real for so many people. And, you know, you might need to look more into that if you're, you know, concerned. Um, But um, I I appreciate that because that's a huge level of realness to me you and i both have struggles with mental health because everybody does well yes and you know like uh drugs and alcohol struggles we're no stranger to those struggles um and again it just makes me feel like i feel a little betrayed (laughs) that mary and her family aren't real people because i feel that they are real people and i could go visit them right now um oh one more thing on the california note too we know exactly where Mary's from. I don't know if I don't actually think I don't know if I figured out where Mary was they from. They say it. She's from Carmel by the Sea. Oh, she is by Car- she's from Carmel by the Sea. I don't Yeah. So we know exactly where Mary's from and that's always really cool cuz she's from actually a Northern California coastal town and we're like, "Oh, oh Mary? Who lives right over there?" Yeah, I know Mary. <laughs> <laughs> it just kind of like um makes the delusion even <laughs> even more palpable because she's like a neighbor kind of <laughs> um i for some reason the fact that she was from carmel by the sea did not did not register in my brain i'm going to double down on my statement that yeah. we in northern california definitely do not use the word cali right 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 i i, I will make exceptions for southern california perhaps they do northern california i have never heard a child adult <laughs> Or dog, say the word Callie. Nor cat. Um, no, nothing. Uh, also, another fun thing that Mary and I have in common, love for Post Malone. Hi. Hi. That did not that did not miss me. I saw that highlight. Yeah. One other character that I just adored in this book is Sammy. I think Sammy, even though I have so much in common with Mary and I love her a lot, Sammy's like my favorite character. Sammy he didn't Steele even get a shout out in the in the in the uh, description of the book, <laughs> but Sammy is her little brother. Um, I I can't remember how old he is. It sounds like he's kind of like a he's kind of somewhere between Piper and Mary. So I think he's kind of like a tween young Mm -hmm. teen. He is so funny. He cracked me up and he's just so adorable. I love the character of Sammy. A lot of the reasons I love Sammy are kind of uh, something for the spoiler section. Okay. Sammy starts as almost a external morality uh, fulcrum, Uh uh, but is so much more. Yes. Um, Sammy is also a great example in this book. There's several others too, a very non-toxic male characters. And, um, you know, we always need more of that, right? Everywhere, everywhere needs more of that. Um, and it's really refreshing in this book that a, a lot, most of the male characters, they're, they're not bad and they're not toxic and they're not mistreating women. And they're very, um, <laughs> normal evolved people <laughs> they're yeah. thinking there's one like there's actually a few lines in this book that i really love but i i thought this was fun and i could see like scott and i having this conversation with somebody if we moved out of california um the cable guy frowns y'all not christian <laughs> <laughs> 
No, we're uh, spiritualists. Like Scientology? What? No, we just, uh, we believe in a higher power. And I just, I another great example of their family and that dynamic that I was like, yes, thank you. I love you guys so much. That is much. a very California thing. It probably is a very California thing, but to us, it's like, yeah, that makes, that makes total sense. Um, so, okay, how about appeal for this book? Okay, um, I think that this... Uh, I'm going to put this in, uh, solidly in the broad category. Mm. Uh, I think it's more than YA. I think it's more than horror fans. Uh, I think that there's a, uh, I think that there's a very strong message, actually multiple messages, yeah. that this book is trying to tell. That not only will a lot of it resonate with a lot of people, but a lot of people should read it. It doesn't necessarily always go into my appeal, but in this case, I think it packages a number of difficult conversations uh, to those of us who are privileged that are that in a very digestible. Mm-hmm. enjoyable but impactful way i think that's fair um i i would go with broad as well i think that this is not only a fun creepy exciting book to read i think it has beautiful nuanced characters and it has a lot of really cool messages about society um without to me ever feeling heavy-handed it feels like real it feels like we're learning with the characters sometimes um yeah i definitely should be read by a lot of different people and i think they would get a lot out of it um i'd also like to personally shout out the use of hella in this book yes thank you so much it's one of my jobs as a californian i'm from cali um to (laughs) never let hella die I I will I will fight on the hill of Hella. I love Hella. I love that word. I've been using it since I was like a kid, and I like it when other people use it. It feels very real to me. I know exactly what they mean when they say Hella. Um, yeah, that and rad are like my two like favorite words in the world. And like, I think like has spread past California, but oh yeah, you know the the uh, like is like is a great. What's it called? Ums and uhs and like. Yeah. I, I I enjoy that one. Yeah, I I agree. Um, another shout out for the super creepy televangelist. Um, oh, creepy, creepy, creepy. Um, and executed in a way that is uh, it, it, the perfect scriptures and uh, and messages yeah. for the chapter that it's in. Um, it's I, relevant every time. I agree. Yeah, very smart. Very smart writing Tiffany Jackson has, and that's one great example of it. I feel like we have to give people one more little nugget before we go to the spoiler section. There is a part where in this creepy house, they go into a room. Well, they go into the kitchen, and every single kitchen cabinet door is open. And drawer in their case. But for those of us who've been with us for a long time, you might remember that a number of years ago, Scott and I lived in a haunted place. And that happened to us once. It did. And it is it is at least as terrifying yeah. as it is in the movies and in books. Um, so thank you, Tiffany. Um, I think we just became best friends. <laughs> okay we're gonna meet everybody else in the spoiler section and if you would like we can go into a little more content warnings at the top and so you can hear that um anything else scott 
No, I'm very excited to talk spoilers. All right. We'll see you in the hella spoiler section. Hey, Bookworm Buddy, don't forget, subscribe, rate, and review. And while you're at it, find us on Instagram at Genre Junkies. As previously mentioned, this book does contain descriptions of mental illness and struggles with drugs and alcohol. Um, it also contains a warning for an overdose. Uh, also, uh, just to talk about the you know, some of the specific mental health, uh, it deals with anxiety mm -hmm. and and as well as uh, a phobia of insects and in this case, bed bugs. Ooh, all right. There you have it, everybody. And without further ado, let's get into it. Okay. Okay. If you're here, you've read it. So let's get, let's get talking. Let's get cracking. Let's get cracking. Can I start? Yes. Can I just say how, how appreciative I am that they were friends? Who? Mary and Yui. Yes. I am so appreciative. I mean, there's, of course, there's a tension there. There's a chemistry. They have chemistry. chemistry. Yeah. But, and, and don't get me wrong. I love romance in my books. I'm totally fine with romance. Yeah. But it was kind of nice to see, you know, them just be friends. Well, it was a long gestating romance, um, like built heavily in friendship. Because I would say tides are turning a little bit towards romance at the end of the book. Because, you know, the... You know, there's kind of some tender moments and her saying, like, I don't deserve someone like you. And they're, you know, kind of embracing and stuff. Um, and I like that, though, because that would be very normal is that people would get to know each other. Um, Mary has to go face some demons before she can just jump right into a new relationship. It's all feels very healthy to me. It does feel very healthy. And that's kind of what I mean by it. Like, I, you're right. You can you can take out of it whatever you want. If you think that they end up getting together after the end of the book, that's fine. Um, I like to think of them just being good friends. I'm okay with that. I like to see that a little bit. So we talked a little bit about how um, there's the complication of a blended family. And just to go a little bit more in depth to that, I thought that a lot of that stuff was really cool. I myself am not from a blended family, but so many people are. And there's, you know, all these little ways that everybody has to learn to get along with each other and listen to each other. And, you know, parenting of someone else's kids. And, you know, we're kind of in that age that even though we don't have kids and will not be having kids, um, I can actually see the parents' perspectives a lot, but I can still totally understand the teenagers' perspectives, right? Oh, very much so. Uh, you know, it's 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 a very complicated dynamic where it where you know you have kind of the the kids pitted against each other at times. You have the parents pitted against each other at times. Piper, in particular, um, it, it's it's kind of that 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 daddy's girl mentality that you that you know run to your parent uh, trait turned up to an 11. Right, right. But someone who uses that dynamic to their to their advantage in a way. Um, and Piper, you know, she, just like the other characters in this book, especially the other kids, she's carrying trauma. She doesn't have her mom. She found her grandma dead. Like, remember she was there. Watch with TV for five hours with her dead grandmother. Oh, oh it's terrible. Oh. It's so sad. Um, it's like, 
yeah, she's she's going to carry some trauma. And now she's in a new family and she's not good with making friends. You just, um, you really feel for her. And even though there was times where I wanted to punt her across Cedarville, just like Mary did, I found it really cool how many people, because Mary's like our voice, Mary's our eyes and our ears and our voice, but how many people told her, give Piper a break. And it kind of makes us see it too, where it's like, oh, oh, right. Right, like it's not just you carrying trauma, Mary, and it's not just you trying to make it up to your your immediate family. You've got to respect what other people have been through too. Um, so specifically, besides dealing with anxiety, Mary has delusional parasitosis, um, the belief that a person is infested with bugs that aren't there. I have suffered from a little bit of that too in my life. Um, when I was a teenager, I still don't know how I got it, but I got lice. And that has stuck with me a bit. And that has recurred a few times in my life where I think the lice are there. Um, and I'll, I've even had Scott like check mm-hmm. my head. Just something just gets to me. Um, so I really was picking that up. Of course, anxiety is something that most humans struggle with. And we're all just, what's that meme? We're all just cucumbers with anxiety. Um, <laughs> just filled with water and anxiety. And especially, I think, over the last few years, a lot of people have realized they had anxiety that hadn't manifested until, you know, yeah. a plague and everything else came around. Um, so very, very relatable. And then, of course... Uh, the perks, as she calls them, the Percocet and the dependence on weed. Um, very interesting stuff because that is there's a lot of people who get a little hooked on drugs in their teen years from an injury like this. Yes, that's I mean, that's very, very relevant. And then she's kind of I mean, I Scott and I both don't have anything against weed in any shape or form. And it is legal where we live. Mm-hmm. But um you have to be careful always about a dependency because, you know, it's like, why are you doing alcohol? Why are you doing weed? Why are you doing whatever the thing is? You know, what are you not facing? Self-medicating is always a dangerous decision. Right. And I, as you said, I'm actually a a believer in uh, cannabis helping with anxiety and, and some uh, particularly yes, yes. anxiety. Yeah, I agree. It helps a lot of people. Uh, but I and really pain and so much yeah, more. Yeah. But I really appreciated uh, the way that Yusuf put it. Yes. Is that it's not so much the fact that she's smoking weed that's a problem. It's a fact that she has to do it secretly. Right. And, you know, if she's if she's hiding it, then it's never is not really helpful. Right. Right. And I really appreciated Mary's point that she's like, well, look, I'm not on any other drugs. I'm on this thing. That's a plant that grows in the earth. And it's like, no, I, I get it. I hear you, Mary. I hear you, but you have to think about, you know, the larger picture of this. And then of course, um, this is a real actual thing in the black community where people go to prison for weed and it's absolutely ridiculous and so we get to see that from from yusuf's point of view and a lot of people's family and friends ending up in prison for weed and you can understand why he would have that perspective too of like you can't mess with that the hard see oh and let me sorry i just want to clarify that too really quickly is I get his paranoia. Nobody should ever have to go to prison for weed, though. No. <laughs> That's what's ridiculous in the world. Okay. So, uh, you know, a lot of, the, like, 
there's a lot of things in this book that I, you know, kind of want to say, oh, it's turned up to 11 to make a point. And in in a, in a sense, the, the laws that were passed in this town to put basically 75% of the black male population in prison, in a for-profit prison, it, it's, it's a little conspiratorial at the same time. It's true. It's not really exaggerated. Yeah. It's exaggerated in the fact that it was this very small cabal, if you will, doing right. it to this one town. But it really is kind of exactly why it happened. Right. And what happened. And so it's very effective in a way that, um, let's put it this way. I consider myself to be fairly woke and I know about this stuff. I knew about yeah. this stuff. I've read about this stuff. Absolutely. I'm familiar with it. This book is one of the first ones that made it kind of personal. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, like sent it home. Like, okay, I see this on it, when you scale something down to a smaller uh, microcosm, it almost makes it more real for me. And I can see it in the, the, the macrocosm sense right? when I can see it. And I don't necessarily even mean like, oh, it helps me to see how it affects one person. I mean, like, right. like in the best science fiction and horror, take a big idea that's, right. you know, global, shrink it down to this one little world. Mm -hmm. And it, it gives clicks. you a perspective. Yes, yeah. exactly. It, it gives you a perspective. Um, and I think that's really important. And I think for a lot of people who are reading this book as a young person, that they're not yet familiar with this this stuff and this particular kind of social injustice. Um, this might be their first exposure to that. And I think that's really important because that could then lead them to like, wait, is this a thing? And then, you know, they kind of learn about it. Like, you know, people have to kind of break out of their bubble some way. And a lot of us do that through books and reading, especially when we're younger. Um, to that point, like Alec, Alec, stepdad, he is not a racist. He's not a gross or bad person, but he has this one um, part in the book that I really love where he's talking about, the people of the town. And he says, um, you know, they're not helping themselves, robbing and vandalizing their own community. Mm. Why should anyone help them? Mom shoots him a look. Alec, you have no idea what these people have been through. You, as a white man, couldn't possibly imagine. Alec opens his mouth and shuts it quickly, realizing he's gone too far. And it's like, that is it. That is it perfectly. Yeah. That is that is exactly it. Um, yeah, brilliantly executed to show the point because he's saying what a lot of white people would say in that scenario yeah and it's like no 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 you don't know so don't don't get on your high horse about it another um another item that was taken from real world events that i i remember but was incredibly effective in this is the pallets of bricks and gasoline and fireworks mm. Uh, that was something that happened a lot during Black Lives Matter protests, mm -hmm. uh, where there were, oh, I don't know who it was, right. wink, wink, putting out pallets of bricks as an encouragement for it to turn violent. Right. That's exactly what the Sterling Foundation exactly. did in this, is they set up all the dominoes for things to work in their favor and to be like, look at what monsters these people are, you know? And it's like... 
uh, no, no, no. And then not to mention, of course, as always, people's lives are way more important than property. But, you know, they need to get the property destroyed to get what they want. People's lives are more important than property. But uh, this book also does a really good job of showing how property can be kind of all that's that's left in some of these people's lives. Absolutely. Because, you know, and a lot of times that's community is it's all tied together. Um, I really enjoyed the sense of community in this book, too. I thought it was really cool and really empowering, um, especially towards the end. But I don't want to skip too far ahead. Wanted to hit a couple other points really quickly. Uh, a couple of favorite scenes. We talked about the drawers and cabinets being open. <laughs> How about the one where she's on the computer with Tamara and there's somebody behind oh, her? Oh, that was awful. But the one that got me the most was the reminders on her phone. <gasps> alarm. Alarm. Uh, did you lock the door? Where's the dog? Did you check the closet? Yep. Uh, <laughs> it's like some scream level stuff. Yeah. But modernized in a way that I can completely... And it's really um, especially a jab at Mary because she sets alarms so much, like she's an alarm person. Mm -hmm. So it's really like taking this thing that helps her have stability and then being like, no, you have no power here. It takes a, I mean, what, what, uh, what the hag does, which I think is a very sad name, but regardless. Oh, there's a whole, we could go on for, there's a whole other podcast out there about the word hag and hag exploitation <laughs> and, and all that. But let's just go with in the book, the, uh, the boogeyman is called yeah. the hag and it turns out to be a real person. Um, so, spoiler alert. I know we're in the spoiler section. Uh, we'll talk about that very shortly. The, the hag masterfully takes away everything that makes them feel safe or makes them feel at home mm -hmm. or comfortable. It takes away every um, every coping mechanism yes. that Mary has. Right. I mean, including like the coffee and, you know, and um, the fact that Piper gets manipulated into all of this too. You know, she kind of gets, she kind of gets sucked in. Um, back really quickly to talking about, you know, the, the people in power not caring about the people of color in this community is um, I think this is Yui talking. He says they got all that money for the river walk, but can't spare a dime to fix the pothole in front of Miss Robertson's house. And it's like, yep, perfect example. We all, we all know what that means. Yes, we do. Um, so let's talk about the big twist. Yes. I did not see it coming. I did not. I absolutely did not see it coming. That that not only was Ms. Sugar still alive, and John but so John. was John John. The time when she crawls out of the cabinet. And she is a real person. She's not uh, just a figment. Okay. I think we can all relate to the horror that is the idea that there are people living in your house that you just don't see. That is, because it's a thing that happens to people. That's happened. That is so scary, just in and of itself. <laughs> then it also turns out to be really sad because of the people in this situation, but also still really scary because Miss Sugar is not well. <laughs> she is not well, but I, I can't help but feel so much sympathy for her. Oh, I have 
ton of sympathy for her. But it's just really scary that she's willing to do anything to get them out of this house, including nearly kill Sammy and Buddy, but you know, and everybody else. Yeah. But really specifically, Sammy is when it goes too far. Too far. It's it's it is too far. It's and not John just John scaring them off. Yeah. Yeah. Which which is why I love John John, and I thought that that was oh. that was smart. It was very smart to have John John be a redeemable character because Miss yes. Sugar. While I, I I do say I feel so much sympathy for her, I all she's also not redeemable, right? Because she she really tries to hurt um, people and especially hurt kids, and and that's like ooh, ma'am. Especially because like look. You now have someone on your side. You right. have someone who is researching all of this and has learned your story. Right. Who 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 can go and like make it public. And I have no doubt that Mary will do that. Because yeah. she well, I mean she says, she says hundred percent, I'm gonna save our home, our city from being taken over. My mission is fireproof and it feels good. And she talks about how she's gonna tell everyone everything. And it's um a wonderful line in the book because again, it's not like she has to forgive Miss Sugar, yeah. but we all have empathy for her. What's really powerful in that quote is our Yes, our she finally takes city. Yes, yes. She she is now She's now part of the community. She right. includes. She includes it as her city. She is. She has moved in. Yeah, if you will. To see, and that was really yeah. powerful because we get the impression she and Sammy are not going to leave in four days, as they indicated. Um, you know, they're going to kind of stay and fight, and that's a big part of this too, because we see a lot, especially um, white people, will be like. I'm going to move away from this. I'm going to move away from the crime. I'm going to move away from the poverty. I don't want to see it. I want to escape it. And it's like, that's so privileged and nice if you have that option. But a lot of people don't. And the ways that we make our communities better is by staying in them, right? And and helping and helping to be the change you want to see places not saying move in and gentrify it I'm yeah. <laughs> like, they do, like they do in the book but i'm saying you know you live here you're invested give a damn i i will say though um <laughs> you're you are 100 percent correct that said if you have an entire uh city's worth of people coming with uh virtual pitchforks and torches to your front doorstep meanwhile you have your little sister who is crazy confirmed gaslighting you and her father is backing her up i think that it's okay to run at that point <laughs> i think it's okay to run i think it's okay yes but not everybody in the city was after them yes that's just just no. all of their neighbors <laughs> um but they can help that in this situation. And Piper and she, oh my God, I love it when her and Piper kind of make their peace together and their sisters. I loved that so much. It really tugged down my heart. And yeah, I love that she she wants to stay and make make things better and be there for her family because we're seeing as the reader, you know, Piper doesn't want her to go when she knows she's going to be leaving, you know? Yeah. She wants a sister. She wants family. It, part of why she's so hurt is because she was so disappointed by the way she was kind of brought into the family. And and that wasn't yeah. her fault and kind of wasn't even Mary's fault. It but it but it it was a crummy yeah, situation. Yeah, it, it's something 
they need to um to work through in life just one of these things that 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 happens so i wanted to talk a little bit about sammy mm-hmm. um who i love yes so, so sammy is just kind of like the little brother who kind of has his stuff together mm-hmm. at the beginning of the book he kind of has his stuff together he's a little bit of comedic relief he's a little bit of the the lens if you will uh but you know mary has a protectiveness to him he's like the one who's kind of on her team yeah against the world and that's kind of all he is at first but i really like and appreciate how she realizes as well as he shows that you know that's it's his own coping mechanism as well right he was incredibly hurt and scarred by finding his sister he oh, saved her life. Before. Yeah. He saved her life. Like that's, you know, they kind of make a, a joke out of it that now they're even. Yes. You know, that was very scarring for him. Yeah. And a lot of the decisions that he makes and the, and the protectiveness that he has and, and the acerbic wit that he's developed yeah. comes not just from that, but, you know, from being, you know, in a family with a, a sister who had has plenty of reasons why but her friend tomorrow points it out perfectly is a little self-centered and a little selfish right um you know in a family where of of divorce in a family of a conf- you know there's there's very specific reasons for his character yeah and i really like the way that he's written yeah it's very smart and like i obviously you guys all know i have a sister that i'm super close to that's on this show a lot and i love um i love seeing really cool relatable sibling relationships and i don't know where i heard this statistic but it's like your siblings are more likely to stick with you than like your parents are like you know and it's you know it's kind of been like her and Sammy against the world. And now she's opening that up to be her and Piper and Sammy. And it's like, that's very important. And I think especially because I would have to imagine, um, you know, Mary's a really good big sister and big siblings know that like for better, or for worse, the little ones will look at you and they will hopefully learn from your mistakes and they'll look to you for leadership and for guidance and for help. And I imagine it would be really hard to be Piper seeing Sammy and Mary have that yeah. and really want some of some of that <laughs> and, and not quite know how to say Excuse me, may I have some of that? <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it's it's also really important. Another line I love in this book is the real monsters made him this way, referring to John John. And that's, I mean, that's always how it is, right? Like the the evil people who know better and can do better but don't want to are the ones that are the bad guys. Like those are the bad guys. Right. Um creepy though it may be to have tunnels <laughs> under the house i love how i love how it was explained why they were there it wasn't anything insidious it was just because he didn't want to walk across the street in the cold i thought that was hilarious too and i was like that's the I kind of see that that's the kind of thing that rich people do yeah it makes yeah. sense i i I would probably I would consider doing that if I won the lottery and was super rich. Yep. I think I would give some of my money away as well. I'm just saying, like, yes. if we were to have like, you know, a, if we were to buy out a block of houses to have all of our friends live in, I c- yeah, I- I'd be like, let's dig tunnels. <laughs> um, no, I love that, and I 
Well, and even if we weren't friends, I think there's something cool about that. We live in an area that's been plagued by fires, which Mari and her family actually even talk about in the book. Yes. And I could see that like, oh, that would be cool if in our neighborhood we had these things so that we could go help each other and meet up like if there was a problem. Like, I see many benefits to strengthening <laughs> your community yeah. through these things. Um Speaking on the to- the topic of the monsters, you know, the real monsters, not the ones that you think are bad, but the, the people pulling the strings, right? Um, Tiffany talks about huge inspiration for this book being one of the best Twilight Zone episodes ever. The monsters are due on Maple Street. Um, incredibly powerful episode that if you haven't seen, I recommend you go check it out. And and I can see her inspiration really beautifully in this. And it's that situations turn people into monsters. You know, they're they're not they're not bad the whole time. It's fear. Fear fear does this stuff to people. Um I, I just think is so smart. I think the way that she wrote out this book, she wrote this during the pandemic as well. Um <sighs> She's so smart. And you read her biography and it's like, yeah, no, she is actually really a smart person. But just the way that she layered this story together, it's it's really brilliant. All right. What are we scoring this out of? That's a really good question. Um, (laughs) What should we score this out of? Oh, I know. How Um, many hell is out of five? No. Um, We are going to score this book how many Buddy the dogs? Oh, okay. Out of five, because Buddy is a great, important character in this book. Yes. Listen to the pets, people. And a hero. Always listen to the pets. <laughs> the pets know when something is up. I am going to give this book four buddies out of five. Um, I thought it was, and I, because I, I can't split a buddy in half. I just can't do it. <laughs> um, listen to your pets. They know. They know when something's up. Um. I thought it was just, he was a really sweet, genuine part of the book. And I, I think Tiffany really likes animals. And I totally, totally um, picked up on that a brilliantly executed, timely book that I think can open up a lot of people's eyes and hearts and also be a really good scare. So this book is benefiting even more from the fact that uh, we recently watched the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which Sandra can't talk about because she's going to talk about it on a different show soon. Mm-hmm. But uh, both tried both both the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre and this book tried to approach uh, a number of themes. Uh, more themes than you could think would actually fit in a story. Uh, more more themes than than you would normally appropriately try to tackle in one go. Uh, and where I will say the Texas Chainsaw Massacre fails horrendously, this book hits nails and just blows out of the park on every message it's trying to tell. I'm giving this five dogs out of five. Buddies. I thought, but I, I'm giving this five buddies out of five. I thought this was not only really, really fun, but it was also really powerful uh, on a lot of different messages. I'm so glad that you feel that way, and I'm so proud of you for saying um, how horror is so reflective of society and and should, you know, 
hold a mirror up to things because that's something we love about science fiction and horror both is that's something that they do. And I think it's important in horror to stay relevant and stay political and stay active um, as horror fans. So yeah, really, really proud of how you felt about this book and of how it was written by Tiffany D. Jackson. Okay, everybody, thank you for joining us. Please keep reading past your bedtime. Thank you.